0: Anti-Semitism is rearing its ugly head once again. But at the same time, America, a unique nation, last week held their annual National Day of Prayer service in the White House Rose Garden. The following are some of Vice President Mike Pence's remarks at that service.
1: To members of our cabinet, leaders in faith and public life, To all our distinguished guests, it is an honor for Karen and me to be with President Trump, our First Lady, and all of you here in the Rose Garden as we mark this National Day of Prayer for the third year in a row here at the White House. The Bible tells us to be faithful in prayer that the effective and fervent prayers of a righteous people availeth much. And since the founding of this nation, the American people have believed in prayer. It is the thread that runs through every era of American history. In 1775, the Second Continental Congress established a day of fasting and prayer. In 1863, President Abraham Lincoln, from these very grounds, urged Americans to pray so that, in his words, the united cry of the nation would be heard on high and answered with blessing. In 1952, President Harry Truman and the Congress formally established this National Day of Prayer and set aside each year for the American people to turn to God in prayer and meditation. Ever since then, every president has issued a proclamation in honor of this great tradition, and President Donald Trump continues that tradition today. As President Trump said just two years ago in this Rose Garden, in his words, we are a nation of faith. And I can assure you, At a time when religious belief is often marginalized and even ridiculed, in this White House, under this President, we believe in prayer. In fact, the President has made a practice of opening every Cabinet meeting in prayer. In fact, he is, at this moment in time, one of only four Presidents in American history who've issued multiple proclamations calling the American people to prayer in a single year. We believe we always do well to go to the Lord in prayer. But it seems especially important these days.
0: Well, these days, as we know from Bible prophecy, are the last days. And we can say that because things that God has foretold are happening. So confidently we say these are the last days. The Jews have been regathered back to their land after millennia of dispersion. This is one of the greatest signs of the times, although it doesn't necessarily shock us the same because it's been happening for so long. Certainly one of the greatest signs of the times. The European nations have given up and are continuing to give up their power to the authority of the European Union, who is forging ahead with further unity. Although finding that it will be a fight, Britain has begun the process of severing herself from this European project. Russia is growing in strength and brazenness and has already begun her march westward with the taking of eastern Ukraine and the annexation of Crimea. Further to that, Russia has now militarily established a foothold in Syria, the territory of the Seleucids, the original king of the north. Not only that, but Germany is continuing to grow further dependent to Russia and joining herself via ever-expanding pipelines, much to the chagrin of uh, the United States. Uh, at the Vatican, they're working to resolve their differences with the Russian Orthodox Church. People of, you know, Bible students have been looking for that for for a hundreds of years, and we can go on and on, but we'll add to it what we're going to speak about this week, the rapidly growing anti-Semitism that, as we say, is rearing its ugly head again in force. The resurgence of anti-Semitism was certainly on the minds of those that were gathered for the national prayer at the White House, as the rabbi who had lost his fingers to the gun attack on the Shabad Poway synagogue in Poway, California, was there in attendance. This is of course only six months after the terrible attack on the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, where eleven people were murdered and seven injured in the deadliest attack on the Jewish community in US, US history. And these attacks are now these these are happening in America. This is not some village in Russia or Eastern Europe with a with a with an old history of pogroms. This is now in America. And although these attacks are committed by some bent or disturbed extreme individual. Really, the most insidious attacks against the Jewish people are committed actually in the mainstream by those in academia or the media. The campaign against Israel by those who claim to not be anti-Semitic, but rather anti-Zionist, as if there's a difference, is huge and has infected most of the schools and universities in the U.S., For example, the cartoons that the New York Times uh, just recently published, the one depicting Netanyahu as a Jewish dog with a large hooked nose leading a blind President Trump. But how does a cartoon like that, how does that actually showcasing one of the oldest anti-Semitic tropes, how does that get into one of the so-called leading prestigious papers, the New York Times? There's of course excuses and somebody will probably be hung out to dry but the reality is the New York Times along with most of the other mainstream media is ragingly anti-Israel and the results are clear when you look at public opinion in the public opinion in the United States Europe and of course around the world In the United States for example the Anti-Defamation League reported that violent attacks against the Jewish community in the United States doubled last year The NYPD just released its statistics for the first three months of this year, and the anti-Semitic hate crimes have spiked by 82%. There are now pieces of legislation being put before Congress from the Democrat Party that are openly anti-Israel. And in fact, many of the Democrats running to be the leader of the party for 2020 are openly anti-Israel. And it's very possible that at some time in the future, the U.S. could have a president that would be openly opposing Israel, even, you know, imagine even more than Obama. And it's the same story, maybe even worse, in the United Kingdom. The leader of the opposition, Jeremy Corbyn, is extremely against Israel and has a history of anti-Semitic actions, apologies, for, yeah, apologies, for which he then apologizes and commits more actions. But there's now a new 15,000-page report that has been produced, documenting the anti-Semitism in the British Labour Party that this uh, Jeremy Corbyn leads. Now, if all this is happening in the United States, which, of course, they try and uh, blame on the right wing um, of the uh, political spectrum, the Republican Party, they try and blame it on Trump and the Republicans, not that we're going to say Trump is perfect. Um, There's things he said that you go... As far as anti-Semitism is concerned, but what's coming out of the out of the academia and the left is ferocious. It's ferocious uh, in its in its attacks on Israel. And now, when we look at at the United States and we see this happening, you know, we I live in Canada. It's it's here as well. Some of the things that come out of York University and and, uh, some of the universities around here are nothing short of frightening. But imagine for a moment what it must be like then for those of us that don't live in Europe. What is it like in Europe? And really, yes, it is much, much worse in Europe. With really the, the situation now where many of the Jews there will hide their Jewishness when they go out in public anti-Semitism is rising sharply across Europe. And France reported a 74% increase in the number of offenses against Jews last year. Now you might say, well, that's less than the United States, and I don't have the exact figures, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, when you look at percentages, already in France it was terrible last year. So when you say there's a 74% increase this year, goodness gracious. And Germany said the number of violent anti-Semitic attacks have surged by more than 60%. And in the largest ever survey of Jewish anti-Semitism opinion, addressing more than 16,000 Jewish people in 12 European countries, the EU's Fundamental Rights Agency said at the end of last year that anti-Semitic hate speech, harassment, and an increasing fear of being recognized as Jewish were becoming the new normal. And um, the FRA, the the director of that uh, agency, Michael O'Flaherty, said uh, decades after the Holocaust, shocking and mounting levels of anti-Semitism continued to plague the EU. Uh, Jewish people have a right to live freely without hate or without fear of their uh, for their safety. Well, that's that's good to say. It's just just not not actually happening. And the report found that 90% of uh, respondents felt anti-Semitism was growing in their country. Now, remember, they're asking Jews, and 30% had been harassed. So, almost a third of the population. Of Jews are being harassed in Europe, and over a third avoided going to Jewish events or sites because of safety fears. While the same proportion had considered emigrating, so a third of the Jews in Europe want to emigrate, and a third are another third are. Um, it could be obviously the, uh, the same third, but considering leaving Europe altogether. And nearly eighty percent no longer reported minor incidents because they thought nothing would change. For which, of course, they're right. And when you actually get down into the weeds, I mean, Jewish graves being graffitied with, with swastikas is hardly news anymore. I mean, you see it all the time. Who who really raises an eyebrow if in Germany, uh, in some in some village, the the all the gravestones have been uh, Jewish gravestones have been. Uh, graffitied. Nobody thinks of it. And now yellow vest protesters in France frequently scream anti-Semitic slogans. And apparently another survey, uh, another poll, sorry, said 50% of the yellow vest protesters in France believed in a Zionist plot. And in Germany, the party uh, alternative for uh, Deutschland has been widely accused of anti-Semitism the party's co-leader Alexander Goland described the Holocaust as a, quote, small bird dropping in over a thousand years of successful German history. Yes, just a small bird dropping. I mean, this is, but these people are being elected. These people are being elected. And only less than 70 years after the Holocaust. Many thought, and, and, the, and the slogan is, never again. And now they're waking up to the, to the real possibility that they see now that it truly could happen again. Well, it was a frightening time 70 years ago when Europe turned on its Jewish, Jewish population. And just this uh, last week, U.S. Ambassador to Israel David Friedman addressed the march of the living ceremony at the Auschwitz concentration camp. It was on Thursday, the uh, on the Holocaust Remembrance Day. And this is uh, some of what he had to say. There's an expression in
2: Hebrew, Ein milim, there are no words. There are no words. I have no words. I have no words to capture the pain, the anger, the sadness, the horror that I feel now at this solemn site. And even if I had the words, they would be drowned out by the shrieks, the cries, the shouts, the agony of the victims in this death camp that have never been silenced and that are amplified right now, right here, this afternoon. I stand here, I can't help but think of the very first murder in recorded history, and God's reaction to that murder, the murder by Cain of Hevel by Cain against Abel. And God said to Cain, me Achitha, so I min Dama the voice of the blood of your brothers is crying out to me from this land. And the same is true here. The blood of our brothers and our sisters is crying out to us from the ground of this hallowed place. I think I understand now and only now what God, what God meant by that phrase.
0: So how is this happening again? Why are so many turning on the Jews again? Well, this time it is clear that the hatred is spurred on by the hatred of Israel. And of course, the success of Israel. Today, there's not many that want to be termed an anti-Semite, but to be termed anti-Israel or anti-Zionist, that is is completely okay. And that's what's running rampant. they, They will say, I'm not an anti-Semite, I'm just anti-Zionist. As we said before, as if there's a difference. And although this is found through academia and the media, the strongest er uh, undercurrents, I would say, are found in the Vatican. And as God has fulfilled his promises to the forefathers in bringing the Jewish people back, it is causing a major reaction. Just as there always has been an enmity to his word, so there is too toward his people. And that's what we find. I mean, when we come to the great battle at the time of the end, in Ezekiel chapter 38, we've looked at this before. Ezekiel chapter 38, he says in verse 8, this great northern confederacy, after many days thou shalt be visited, in the latter years, which is what we've said we're living in, thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword, or the RV margin says restored. So it's the time of Israel's restoration in the latter years. And it's a time when they are gathered, it says, out of many people. But it's against these ones, it says, against the mountains of Israel that they've come against, this northern confederacy, against the mountains of Israel verse 16 out of the verse 15 they're coming from the uttermost parts of the north RV and they come up against my people Israel verse 16 in the latter in the latter years and against my land this is this is the this is the sentiment they're coming against God's people against his land against his mountains it's anti-semitism that is driving them well when we look in Ezekiel 35 against edom we see this spirit we see this spirit and it's not edom as in as in today because edom was destroyed long ago but this spirit has continued in the nations and specifically in rome but it says in verse uh, five of ezekiel 35 that god he says because thou hast a perpetual hatred. It is everlasting hatred and has shed the blood of the children of Israel. And they have verse 12, spoken against the mountains of Israel saying they are laid desolate. They are given to us to consume. Thus with your mouth, you have boasted against me and have multiplied your words against me. So when when the nations speak, and specifically we would look at uh, Europe uh, and, and, and Rome, when they speak against the Lord, and when they speak against the mountains of Israel, God says, you're boasting against me, and your words are against me. We can think, too, of Psalm 137, verse 7, remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. They celebrate over the destruction of God's people. They hate God's people. And that's what we're seeing today we see the hatred again, this perpetual hatred, this perpetual enmity coming up against God's people. And so we, I have to say, have expected this. But it's true that when one examines the events of the Holocaust, it's hard to have words for such hate-filled, murderous acts that have been taken against the Jewish people, God's people. But God does see it all. And for his own reasons, God has put President Trump and his administration into the White House. And they stand up for Israel, and when they do so, they're finding that there is this onslaught against them. But as dark as it all seems, David Friedman also noted in his speech the incredible events following the Holocaust. Here he is.
2: There's also no words to capture
0: the triumph of the
2: Jewish people who were never consumed by hate and who rebuilt their lives and who rebuilt their ancient homeland, the miraculous state of Israel, to which I am so fortunate to be posted as President Trump's representative.
0: And yes, this triumph of the Jewish people is certainly miraculous. But, friends, the best is yet to come, as the Lord Jesus Christ will soon once again go forth to save his people. And at that time the nations shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. And so, in these days, in these days, our prayer. Our prayer should be that Almighty God will send his Son, the Redeemer of Israel, to come and cleanse this earth with his judgments and bring peace to Jerusalem. How much we need it. Well, thanks for joining us again this week for another edition of the Bible in the News. This was John Billington with you. And come back again. It'll be actually later this week because you can tell this is a little late going up from last week. So it'll be later this week for another edition of the Bible in the News. And I believe Daniel Billington will be joining you then. So come back to Bibleinthenews.com and thanks again.